know some of you appeared in the dark when you arrived in, so why don't you just turn to the people beside you, around you, and say a quick hello. Don't need to shake hands, but just kind of give some eyes to see who's sitting beside you this morning. What a beautiful and handsome bunch of people this morning at one heart. So impressive. Props. I'm so glad to be here this morning. I know we've got quite a few people who are visitors or visiting Port Lincoln on holidays. It's great to have you here. I hope you're having a a fun and safe holiday. And um, we're so glad that you're here at One Heart with us this morning as well. Um, Pastor Rob and Pauline, our senior pastors, are away this weekend. Some of you came specifically to see them, but um, they're not here. They're over at a family wedding um, in South Australia. So um, we pray for them and hope they're having a great time. And um, yeah, you get the rest of us today. So my name is Kylie. I'm part of the team here at One Heart, and I am really excited to share this message. As I said, I even bought props. I've had this message in my heart for a while, and I know it's something that God's been saying to me as well. Um, And I really believe if we can get hold of some of the things that God wants to say today, that that it it is life-changing. It's eternity-changing for not only us, but for others as well. So you're ready. You're ready to hear the word. We're going to start in the Bible in the Old Testament in the first book of Kings. So if you have a Bible, um, you can read along if it's on your phone. If you've got our app, our church app, I'd love you to um, jump into the notes and you'll find it in there as well. It's not going to come up on the screens. I'll just read it out here. In the time of famine in Israel, there was a prophet, Elijah. And the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. That's a good start. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he said to her, Would you bring me a little water in a cup? And as she turned to leave, he called out to her, Just bring me a bite of bread too. Simple request. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't even have a scrap of bread in my house. Not only that, all I have is a handful of flour and a little bit of oil scraped from the barrels. I'm going to cook this last meal And then me and my son will die. It's a dramatic way to meet someone. Just getting some sticks for this last meal and then me and my son will die. So there's a famine in the whole land of Israel. And we know in Australia, we know famines don't happen in one year flat. They take a few years. So you know this has been the talk of the town. This is all anyone's talking about, the crops and the rain and the shortages and the price of everything going up for at least two or three years to come in the past, hasn't it? It's all all anyone's been talking about. And now suddenly it's got a name. It's not just a bad year of rain. Now it is capital famine, the famine. There's no crops. There's no rain. The villages have no food. The shops have no food. She doesn't even have a scrap of bread left in her house. But this morning, all morning, she's been hearing this whisper. She's got up this morning. She's like, my last, 
last Peter bread and that's it, we're done for. And this morning she keeps hearing this voice as she's getting up, getting ready to collect her sticks, having a drink of water, looking at the last bit of oil. She's hearing this instruction from God. I'm going to send a man to you. I'm going to send a prophet to you and I want you to feed him. Her prayer, surely, her prayer has been, you know, Lord God, I'm a widow, I'm a solo mom, there's a famine in Israel, I need you to send someone to me to feed me, I need you to send someone to provide for me, right? And God says, yeah, I'm going to send someone to you, and I want you to feed him. Not just feed him your last bit of bread, he's coming to live with you, you are going to be his ongoing source of food. And we don't have her response to that. We don't know what she says to that. I reckon, because she was speechless, what can you possibly respond to that? I think she was hearing this instruction and going, I just don't see how. I'm going to feed a guy for the rest of the time of famine. I just don't see how. I, I don't have enough to feed us. How am I going to feed someone else? So she thinks, well... I guess I'll just get some sticks and start the fire, nothing else to do. She goes out to collect the sticks and this man appears and starts asking her for bread. And she tells him like it is. She's like, man, I'll tell you the situation. There's no bread. Even the raw ingredients have only got enough for one more meal and then we die. And Elijah replies this, verse 13. Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Some of you might have come to church today and that's what you needed to hear. That's all you needed to hear. Every time the angel of the Lord, the prophets of the Lord, the God speaks to other people, he starts with us, don't be afraid. We are always walking around fearful until we're walking in the promises of God. Don't be afraid. He says to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first and then use what's left to prepare yourself and your son a meal, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be enough flour and oil left in your containers until the time the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Now we know, they don't know it at the time, but we know that's going to be at least three years until the rain comes. And then what, another six months or a year after that before the crops grow up. And he's promising there's always going to be enough left in your containers until the rains and the crops come. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her son continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had said through the prophet Elijah. You might be facing some sort of famine right now. And in the natural, you might be looking like this woman did, going, well, there is no rain. There are no crops. (laughs) What else is there to say? And God's saying, I don't need rain to provide food. And in your situation, he's saying, I don't need to figure out the right kind of medication to heal people. I don't even need that medication to exist. I can heal people. I don't need to get a job to provide you with money, God says. I own all the cattle on a thousand hills. But did you catch what Elijah said to do first? We might skim over that, but she certainly heard it. She's looking at this. She's been looking at it for days. It's rationing day after day after day. Yesterday there was two handfuls. Today there's one handful. She woke up, her stomach gnawing, her child crying, and then this man comes along and he says, but first 
make me a meal and then there'll be enough for you. That's a big call. But don't we see that over and over and over in the scripture? God gives us a promise. He says, my power will fulfill it, but you've got to provide something to activate it. We've got to provide some step to activate his promise. It's all in his power. It's all in his time. It's all in his promise. But we have to provide something to activate that promise as well. Did you know that Jesus has given us an instruction clear as, clear as he gave that woman an instruction that morning. And maybe just as impossible to go and make disciples for him. And some of you might be sitting there this morning and every time you hear that, go and make disciples for him and you're just kind of looking at your faith and your capacity and your ability to explain things and you're sort of, sort of looking at Jesus going, I just don't see how. There just isn't enough. I barely got enough faith. I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel of faith as it is just to just to get here to church or just to keep going with my family, just to keep going. I don't have enough to share. You, you want me to feed someone else? Not just once, but feed someone else, be the spiritual provider for someone else, make disciples for you? You're sitting there going, I need someone to disciple me, Lord. How can you ask me to to disciple someone else? What have I got to share? There just isn't enough. But look at this. When we look closely, the flour and the oil, there was just enough. It didn't start to multiply until she started to use it. You might feel like your faith is small, your capacity to explain things is small, your, your way of speaking about Jesus is very small and humble and even bad, but you just got to take that little bit and start to use it, and that's when God multiplies it. That's our activation step. He will multiply it once we start to share it. You know, when I was a little girl... One of my top all-time favorite storybooks was called The Magic Porridge Pot. Does anyone know that? Some of you do. I wasn't sure if it was in New Zealand or Australia. It came out in like 1981, so you may, I don't know if it's still around. The Magic Porridge Pot. Not entirely sure of the mechanisms in it anymore, but what I remember so clearly is there was this pot and it would overflow with porridge and it overflowed over the pot and onto the stove and then overflowed down the stove and onto the kitchen floor and then someone opened the door and it overflows into the city, into the town. And what ends up happening is the whole town kind of drowns in porridge. I don't know why that was my favourite story. Maybe I just really loved porridge when I was a kid. Maybe I, maybe I felt like my mum didn't give me enough so I was fantasising about an overflowing porridge situation. I'm not sure. But that is not what is happening with this widow and Elijah. There's no overflowing flour and oil situation. It says there was always enough flour and oil left in the containers for them. Always enough left. I think that that means there was permanently enough for their next meal. There was always enough But it doesn't mean it always felt like there was enough. It doesn't mean it always looked 
like there is enough. In God's weird economics, there will always be enough, but it doesn't mean it always feels like there's enough. The multiplication only starts once we start to share it. Our God is a God who is comfortable with his children being out on a limb. If you're writing anything down today, that's the bit you want to write down. If you listen to anything, that's the bit you need to hear. Our God is a God who is comfortable with his children being out on a limb. Think about it. Our God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, think what they went through. The God of Joseph languishing in the prison all those years. The God of Moses, enemy at his heels, Red Sea shut in front of him. The God of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego being thrown into the furnace. The God of Daniel being thrown into the lion's den. And then the lions come in. The God of Mary laboring on a donkey, thinking surely we'll be in a comfortable place soon. But there was no room at the end and ending up giving birth in a manger. Our God is a God who is comfortable with his children being out on a limb. Oh man, we hate it. We hate that feeling. So awful, isn't it? But God doesn't mind if we're out on a limb. You know, my last house, we have this really big tall tree at the front of the house, taller than the house. And my kids, when they were little, would just monkeys scramble up the tree the whole time, so high, so far to the limbs that I couldn't even watch. I just had to go inside and pretend that, uh, you know, that they weren't doing it. But what I noticed, when they were climbing out to the limbs, right to the edges, way up high, they didn't talk so much. They were focused. They would activate every muscle that they have to be clinging on. Maybe God is okay when we are out on a limb because that is when we finally will shut up whinging and complaining and thinking about all the things we want, when we finally will activate every faith muscle that we have and cling on to his word and focus on him and activate our faith when we are out on a limb. He's okay with it. So this instruction from Jesus Go and make disciples for him. There's two things we need to know. We are going to have to go out and share our faith, even if that means you've got to scrape the bottom of the barrel of faith to do it. Even if you only have a teeny tiny bit of faith, we've got to start sharing it. Let me ask you a question. What would have happened if the woman said, okay, come on in, Elijah, we'll drink water and we'll watch um, the flour and the oil, and when they get to be enough, we'll make a meal. What would have happened? Nothing. Even a bit worse than nothing. Eventually, the oil would have dried up, and probably like weevils and bugs would have got in and destroyed the flour, and, and they would have died waiting. We can't wait to share our faith until you feel like you have all the answers, until you feel really confident and powerful, until you feel like your life is all sorted out because your faith will dry up in the waiting or it'll get destroyed and go weird and people will spiritually die waiting on us. You know, Jesus said, the harvest is ripe, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. 
So we're praying and praying and praying for revival. We're praying for salvations. We're praying for baptisms. We're not waiting on God for revival. God's waiting on us to open our mouths and speak about Jesus. That's number one. Number two, you're going to have to go out on a limb to speak to people about Jesus. And it doesn't matter whether it always feels awkward the whole rest of your life. You may never feel confident. You may never feel confident, uh, comfortable. You may never enjoy doing it, going out on a limb and telling someone about your faith in Jesus. But God's okay with that because that's when we finally will make room for his power to move. So we need to be okay with that as well. We need to understand that when Jesus moves in power, because it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus' death on the cross that salvation comes, when Jesus moves in power, that is not the same as me feeling powerful. Those things are totally separate, different things. We don't need to be feeling powerful, and God can be moving in great power. So I'd like to just take a few minutes now and respond to God's word. So if I could have the music team back up, that'd be great. Let's respond to this word. Maybe let's stand and we'll have the lights down a little bit. There's two groups of people I want to talk to this morning. So first, if there's anyone here today and you're feeling like, the widow at the very start of that story before God has even spoken. You're feeling like there's a spiritual famine. There's a spiritual starvation. You're hungry for something and you don't know what it is. You've heard about Jesus, but you've never met him. You've heard that there's forgiveness, but you're walking around with this guilt like a a weight and there's no way for you to, to, to get it. There's a spiritual famine in your life. If that's you today, then we want to give you the opportunity to take a step closer in and meet Jesus. Do you want to know a funny thing? When I used to go to church, before I I believed in Jesus, I was searching for whatever I thought the truth was, and I would go to church, and I'd be hungry. I was so hungry that I started to build it into my schedule Other days I could get up whenever and eat breakfast or not. But on Sundays I got up early so I could have a huge breakfast because during church I'd be sitting there distracted going, I'm so hungry. I'd end up having a massive breakfast and then eventually I took snacks. Church was one hour, 10 till 11. And I couldn't hear a single thing about the music or the word because I was just so distracted going, why am I so hungry? I feel faint. I feel dizzy. My stomach's churning. It was a spiritual hunger. So great that even my body was trying to tell me, my physical life was trying to tell me there's a starvation happening here. There's a spiritual hunger. If that's you today, if you feel just dissatisfied, you're thinking, this life, is this all there is? It's not enough. Then we want you to have an opportunity right now to have an encounter with this God who said, I am the bread of life that satisfies your soul. I want to tell you some really good news. There is a spiritual hunger because there is a spiritual food. You don't have to go unsatisfied. 
anymore. So why don't we all just close our eyes and bow our heads and, and, and give each other privacy for a moment. If that's you, if you are hungering after forgiveness, if you're hungering for some hope, if you're hungering just to meet this Jesus that you've been hearing about, you're hungering for more, if, you're, if you've saying to yourself, I don't have, what can I feed my children? just all you need to do is start to pray right now. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, if that is you this morning, if you want to take that step to Jesus, why don't you just raise your hand just as a sign of activation. You're raising your hand to say, I want to meet you, Jesus. Feel that need that can never be satisfied. So we're going to say a prayer. And church, if you are a believer already, I want you to say this with us. And we don't say this just week after week um, because it's like a special ritual we have. We're going to put this prayer up on the screens right now. But it's actually to help us as Christian believers as well. When we start to speak to people about Jesus and we say, would you like to pray? This is some of the stuff that we can start to pray with people. So we want to get these these words into our spirit so we can pray them with people and lead them to Jesus as well. All of this is from the Scripture. So let's say it together now. And if you're saying it for the first time, I just encourage you to say it with your whole heart, everything in you. Let's say it together. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God who died on the cross and rose again to forgive my sins. I ask that you forgive me. I give you my life. I invite you to be my Lord and Saviour. Today I am born again. I trust your future into my into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't we give a round of applause today to anyone who has taken that step toward Jesus. But I just got one more thing. Don't sit down yet. I just want to speak to those people right now who are following Jesus because we've got a bit of activation to do as well. I know that so many of us feel like, man, I just don't have enough faith to share what I've got. I just don't have enough love in my life to share. I don't have enough hope in Jesus myself. I don't have the words. I don't have the explanations. How can I feed someone else? But that is God's word to us today. Just start to share. It'll grow once we start to share. So let's take a moment and have some activation in ourselves as well. Why don't you, if you're a believer and you want to just be be open to Jesus and say, I'm going to start to share my faith, then why don't you raise your hand? Not to me, we're raising our hands to Jesus. And just tell Him that right now. Just start to pray. Pray right now in your heart or even out loud. Jesus, I will open my mouth. I will start to speak. Even the small amount of faith, I'm going to start to share it, Jesus. Raise your hands up, church, like you're trying to get the attention of the teacher. Raise your hands up high to the Lord. Say, pick me, Jesus. Make opportunities for me, Jesus. I want to start to share your faith, Jesus. I've only got a tiny bit, but start to do what you did for that widow. and Make it grow as I share it, Jesus. My workmates, my family, my friends, they need your power. They need your hope. They need your life. I can't give it to them. I need to speak to you about Jesus. Today, Lord God, we we offer ourselves to you. We 
We thank you for your power and your promise. And we declare our purpose to open our mouth, speak your name, activate your promise in our lives. We're going to sow generously and we're going to see a generous harvest of salvations for Jesus. Amen. You can take your seats. Thank you so much. Now, if you would like, I've made a little take-home token just to help be a reminder. So it's just a tiny little jar of olive oil and it says, share your faith. And my idea is that you'd look at it and go, I'm going to share my faith, even if there's only a little bit of it. And God will start to do His work and multiply it once we start to share it. Amen. All right, let's go.